0: I'm Leslie Rowe. I'm on staff here at Denton North. I am glad you guys are all here this morning, and I'm excited to get to talk with you about the Holy Spirit this morning. So I asked if we could start our sermon with that song today for two reasons. First reason is because I want the Holy Spirit to be all over this time that we spend together. Um, I want him to speak to you, not me. I want him to work in spite of my weaknesses and limitations. And I want him to teach you what only he knows you need to know and what he knows you need to hear this morning. Second, every time we sing that song, I wonder how many of us really know who we're welcoming when we sing that. In general, I find that Christians know a lot about Jesus We know the work Jesus does. We know why it's important. But the average Christian is in a pretty big fog about who the Holy Spirit is and what work the Holy Spirit does. Honestly, I think that most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about the Holy Spirit. What's so interesting about this is that Jesus is the one who asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit. He even said it was better for him to leave so that the Holy Spirit would come. And so if we are really following Jesus and we really love Jesus and know about Jesus, shouldn't we want to know about the Holy Spirit too? If it was important to him, shouldn't it be important to us? Yet many of us basically have no idea what difference it would make if there was no Holy Spirit at all. So this morning we're going to spend some time looking at what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. There is no way we're going to completely cover the Holy Spirit this morning. It's just not going to happen. There's no way that if I spent the next 20 years preaching that I could even convey to you who the Holy Spirit is. I'm never going to completely understand him. But I think there are things that we can understand about him and should seek to understand about him. So I want to start with a couple of observations of what the Spirit is not. This is not an exhaustive list. These are just a few that I think are important for us to realize. One of the things is the Holy Spirit is not a feeling or emotion. We've largely relegated that to the Holy Spirit and when we experience a certain type of emotion or feeling that's come about by worship then we feel like we've experienced the Holy Spirit. We even, a lot of times, I think, are guilty of trying to manufacture that in order to feel like we have had an experience with the Holy Spirit. If we haven't felt a certain way, or if we haven't cried tears, or if we haven't heard someone speak in tongues, then we feel like the Holy Spirit wasn't present. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Holy Spirit can and does produce emotion and feeling in us. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is, and it's not the only way we experience the Holy Spirit. Um, The other idea that I'll hear about the Holy Spirit a lot is that the Holy Spirit is a power that somehow we need to harness and control. And many times we want to do that for our own purposes. But the Spirit's not a feeling or an emotion or a power. He is a person. He's a person just like God the Father, just like Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit is a person that we have a relationship with. Second, the Holy Spirit is not a lesser or different kind of being. It's not like we have God and Jesus, and then down here we have like angels and Holy Spirits and other things. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, just like God the Father and just like God the Son. There's God the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't explain all that to you in a way that makes sense. I can just tell you that that's the truth of it. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit teach you what that looks like and what that means. Third, the Holy Spirit is not a flashy, grandiose, spontaneous experience that only occurs occasionally. We don't get a quick shot of the Holy Spirit. And I think this movie clip will help illustrate this a little bit. So I'm going to show this.
1: Check it out. The already- sign, Check it out.
0: Okay, so I'm pretty simple. And I find that God speaks to me and the Holy Spirit teaches me a lot through illustrations that I can understand more easily. And honestly, the first time I pulled this one up, I thought, eh, I don't know if I'll use that or not. But the more I got into studying and thinking through the Holy Spirit, the more that clip really spoke to me. Um, So Dre is looking for karate to be this big, explosive experience, this powerful thing that if he can just learn it in a couple of hours, then everything's going to be great, and he can master it, and he can go out and use it. But what he doesn't realize is that through practicing everyday things, putting the jacket on, taking the jacket off, hanging the jacket up, that he's going to learn karate, kung fu, whatever it is. And isn't that us with the Holy Spirit? We want this big, powerful, explosive work of the Spirit, but we don't want to do the everyday disciplines that make it possible. And Brad alluded, or Brad didn't allude to this, Brad said this in his sermon last week. He talked about this. Um, Dre says, I put it on a thousand times, I took it off a thousand times. This is stupid. I'm done. And don't we say the same thing? I've read my Bible a thousand times I've prayed a thousand times I've come to church a thousand times I've fasted a thousand times I've memorized a thousand verses well maybe that's going a little too far (laughs) and then the Holy Spirit says pick up your jacket the Holy Spirit says be strong be firm he shows us what we can do with what he's been teaching us and just like Dre, when, we, when he realizes that Mr. Han really knows how to do Kung Fu, we go, whoa, because we see the power of the Spirit. But it's through those daily disciplines. And when we go, whoa, the Spirit goes, focus. Look at me. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. See, the Holy Spirit's not just a big, explosive experience. He's in everything we do. He's in how we do our job, how we treat people, how we make decisions, how we serve our community, what we choose to think about or not think about, how we live our lives. The Spirit is in everything. He is in everyday experience. He's steady. He's in it for the long haul, always present and always working the results he produces are definitely spectacular but the way he prepares us for it is through simple everyday training simple everyday disciplines brad said last week maybe one of the reasons we don't see the spirit working is because we're not disciplined i want to share with you a story about a young woman her name is Esther On Kim, and I'm reading this out of the book, The Forgotten God. But she, um, she was alive during World War II, and when the Japanese occupied Korea, they set up a lot of shrines where they required people to worship. And she refused to bow down at these shrines. Does that sound kind of familiar? Like maybe somebody in the Bible? Um, and so she was eventually imprisoned for six years. And this is what I, I'm going to actually use her a couple of times, but we're going to start here. Knowing she was destined for prison, for refusing to bow down to idols, Esther spent time training herself, both physically and spiritually. Each day she would find and eat food that was decaying, knowing that that was what she would be served in prison. The discipline she demonstrated is humbling. How many of us would choose to eat rotten foods? While preparing for prison, she memorized more than 100 chapters of the Bible and many hymns because she knew she would not be allowed to keep her Bible. She spent countless hours seeking God through fasting and prayer. These times when she read the scriptures led to greater clarity and she was able to surrender her fear of being tortured. Reading her story left me wanting more, more intimacy with Christ, more love for people, more of God in my life, and to be honest, more discipline. She was a well-disciplined believer, but there was nothing self-righteous about her. Her obedience to Christ only increased her ability to hear the voice of the Spirit. See, it's what Brad said last week about the disciplines are not in and of themselves anything special or spectacular, but the disciplines are the way that God prepares us for harder things, for bigger things. So don't go for the quick fix, the flashy experience. Live instead for the long haul, because the spirit shines in people who opt for simplicity Perseverance, and humility. So, those are a few things the Spirit is not. Now, let's spend some time looking at what the Bible says the Spirit, who the Spirit is, and what He does. I'm going to start with John 14, 16, and 17. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the Spirit of truth. See, Jesus promised the gift of another advocate. Why another? Why the word another? The word another because Jesus was our original advocate. Advocate is also translated counselor, defender, helper, comforter, strengthener, friend. These express thoughts of encouragement, of support, of assistance, of care, of shouldering the responsibility for another's welfare. See, Christ was saying, the Holy Spirit will care for you in the way I have cared for you. Okay, so that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit, is to care for us the way Jesus cared for us and still cares for us. John 14, 25 through 27. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Jesus also tells them in John 16 that he has much more to share with them, but they can't bear more right now. So the Holy Spirit's task is to continue Jesus' teaching and ministry. He's continuing the work of conforming us and empowering us to live and love like Jesus did. The Holy Spirit will transform us to live and love sacrificially like Christ. Let's go back to the story of Esther Kim. One night, a young Chinese woman, this is after she's already in prison, One night, a young Chinese woman convicted of killing her husband was brought in. She moaned incessantly and beat on the doors until the guards tied her hands behind her back. See, one of the things that when I think about going to prison for my faith that I don't really think about is, okay, so there are going to be other people there not because of their faith but because of crimes they have committed. It was this woman that God called Esther to love and reach out to. Esther held the woman's feet at night to warm them, even though the woman was covered in her own excrement. Though food rations were small, Esther gave up her portions for three days to this woman. Could she have done that if she hadn't been disciplined and prepared for her life in prison before that? See, the Holy Spirit was able to take that discipline and work through it. Over time, the Chinese woman began to respond, carrying on conversation and eventually accepting the good news of the gospel. The woman was later executed for her crime, but she went to her death alive in Christ. This is one of many people God used Esther to minister to. Murderers and swindlers who were utter outcasts were changed before all who watched as the love of Christ through Esther healed their hearts and gave them hope. Even the jailers and government officials noticed how she shone in that dark place. She could have just endured her suffering like a good Christian, and we would have applauded it for her for it. But she was not content to merely endure. She was ready every day and every moment asking God, "Who do you want me to love for you today?" See the Holy Spirit worked in her to transform her, to be able to live and love sacrificially like Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing for us. We're not able to do that on our own. We're not that good. But the Holy Spirit is able to do it through us. See, the Holy Spirit teaches us how Jesus lived and loved. And then he gives us the peace we need to live that out when trouble comes. John 15, 26 through sixteen fifteen, This is kind of a long reading, and I thought about not doing the whole thing, um, but then I just couldn't not read this. When the Advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue, In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they've not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me where are you going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make Make known to you. See, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth and teach us all things. 2 Peter tells us that the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture, that man was carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when you read the Word, the author himself is present with you to teach you and instruct you. Do you hear that? When you read the word, the author of it is present with you to teach you and instruct you. That's so exciting. That's so encouraging. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us the Spirit testified to the apostles by revealing to them all truth and inspiring them to communicate that truth. Thus, we have the gospel. Thus, we have the New Testament. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have those things. It's one of the ways the world would be different if there was no Holy Spirit. And then Acts 1, 1 through 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus tells us, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. In this scripture we just read, Acts 1-8, he tells them that they will be his witnesses to the very end of the earth. When Christ left the world, he committed his cause to his disciples. But think about that for a minute. These particular disciples had never been good students. They had consistently failed to understand Christ and they'd missed the point of his teaching throughout his earthly ministry. Until he was crucified, they thought he was going to be an earthly king, an earthly Messiah. Peter had just very recently denied him three times. The others had deserted him because they were afraid to be associated with him and what might happen because of that. They disbelieved anyone who told them that they had seen Jesus, that Jesus had risen even though Jesus assured him that that's what would happen. And so they're going to do better now that he's gone? How did they become powerful men of faith who preached the gospel and suffered greatly for it? We just read in John 16 where he told them they would be put out of the synagogue and that anyone who killed them, anyone who killed them, would think they were offering a service to God Why were they so changed after Jesus left? The answer is because Christ sent the Holy Spirit to them. The Holy Spirit to teach them all truth. To remind them of what Jesus had taught them already. To reveal to them of the rest of what the Lord intended them to learn. Were it not for the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity. It wouldn't have spread. It couldn't have without the power of the Holy Spirit. We see from their past that they weren't capable of that by their own power. It was when they waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to come that they were able to do that. And the Holy Spirit gives us that same power to be Christ's witnesses. When Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, the first thing he told his disciples to do is wait. No one cared more about the spread of the gospel than Jesus did. But he knew that they wouldn't be able to accomplish anything without the Holy Spirit. The Spirit would do more through them than they could ever do by themselves. And the same is true for us. The Spirit will do more through us than we could ever do by ourselves. I want um, to show a song video now. This song is called Same Power. It's by Jeremy Camp. And I want you to really focus on the words and what it means that the Holy Spirit gives us power.
1: I can see what is raging at my feet. I can feel the rhythm goes around. I can hear the sound of nations rising up, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road, I can. i About greater things in store, we will not be overtaken, we will not be
0: the same power that rose jesus from the grave lives in us i don't know about you but that's good news to me that is exciting to me and that makes me feel like maybe i can possibly do some of the things god has called me to do not because of me but because of the power that's living in me i'm going to read first corinthians 2 1 through 5 And I'm going to read a mixture of the NIV and the message. It's up here like I'm going to read it, but you're probably not going to find it in your Bible like I'm going to read it. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I can so relate to this. Every time I get up to preach a sermon, every time I open the Bible to study with somebody, every time I get ready to lead my small group, I feel this. I feel my weakness. I feel how inadequate I am. I'm scared to death that I'm not going to get it right, that I'm not going to say it right, that I'm not going to be able to communicate Um, the power of Christ the power of the Holy Spirit the love of our Father but see the great news is that the Holy Spirit's power does that and that the Holy Spirit is who enables people to come to Christ see we give our witness and our testimony but it's the Holy Spirit's power that produces results so all of that pressure is off of me It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to point them to Jesus, to speak truth, to study the word. But my responsibility is not to get results. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that the minds of unbelievers are blinded. So should we stop wasting our time sharing the good news with other people? No, because the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of our witness about Christ by opening blinded eyes. By restoring spiritual vision, by enabling sinners to see that the gospel is truth, that the scripture is God's word, and that Christ is God's son. See, John 16.8 said he will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. As Paul says in this passage, it's not our job to prove the truth of Christianity. Nobody can prove that except the Holy Spirit through his work of renewing the blinded heart. What a relief that is. It's not my job to say all the right words. It's not my job to present a clever illustration or be able to answer every question. My job is to witness to Christ, to point people to Jesus, to scripture and truth, to love them like he did, and to let the Spirit demonstrate his power. He will receive all the glory in that. God's purposes accomplished in his ways bring glory to him, not to me. And I'm afraid that too many times I'm more concerned about if I'm receiving any glory or any praise than I'm concerned about letting the Spirit do his work. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no faith and no new birth. So just in summary, because it might have been hard to, to follow some of that, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling, emotion, or power. He is a person. The Holy Spirit's not different or an, a, a different or inferior kind of being. He is God. The Holy Spirit is not a spontaneous, grandiose experience that happens occasionally. He is an everyday experience. The Holy Spirit takes care of us the way Jesus did, He enables us to live and love like Jesus did. He guides us into all truth and teaches us all things. He gives us the power to be Christ's witnesses, and he enables people to come to Christ. Our job is to recognize him, to depend on him and not ourselves, to yield completely to him so that we don't squelch him and he can control our lives. It's a lifelong process, but we should be practicing it every day. All of that is good news. All of that is such a relief to hear. But I want to end by giving you a little bit of a challenge with this. We don't need the Holy Spirit if we're only seeking to live a good life and attend church regularly. We can do that quite nicely without the help of the Holy Spirit. You only need the Holy Spirit's guidance and help if you truly want to follow the way of Jesus Christ. You only need him if you desire to obey everything he commanded and teach others to do the same. You only need him if you understand that you're called to share in Christ's suffering and death as well as his resurrection. You only need the Holy Spirit if you have genuinely repented and believed if you've truly turned away from the way you were headed and joined Jesus in living his way, then you desperately need the Holy Spirit. If that describes you, then I want you to sing this next song that we're going to sing, which is Oceans. But I want you to think about what you're singing. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. So that means leaving your borders. Economic borders, social borders, geographic borders, religious borders, racial borders. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, that my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. That could look like paying $240 and missing out on a week's pay to go work hard for a week in New Orleans serving a poor community and providing kids with something for Christmas. It could look like befriending the student, co-worker, neighbor that has no filter and no social skills. You know the one no one else will be friends with. It could look like fostering a child even when you're sure it would break your heart when they're placed back with their family. It could look like asking that girl or guy on a date, even though they're not your type. It could be moving to a foreign country, or moving to a less affluent neighborhood, or just trying to move to a different group of people instead of your group of friends. It could look like taking a job, making less money to live in the community your church is in. Nothing in those two lines of lyrics, is going to make you feel good when you're going through it. You're singing, and many times with your hands raised high, for God to make you uncomfortable. And then when you feel the nudge, the nudge of the Holy Spirit, to buy coffee for a homeless man, to confess a sin to your core or your small group, to share with someone about something that's happened in your past that might be able to help them. And we don't do it. We don't do what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do. We sing that song because it feels good. But will we move when the Spirit leads us to move? We can't sing that song and refuse to live it. It's deeper than your feet would ever... If, if it is deeper than your feet would wander, it's going to be unknown and scary and uncomfortable. If our trust is without borders, it is wild, unpredictable, dangerous. But if you yield to the Holy Spirit and follow where he leads, it's also exhilarating and life-giving. In exactly where God wants us to be. So I want you to take some time to talk to God about this. If needed, I want you to confess and ask forgiveness if you've not been willing to follow the Spirit's leading. If you don't have the desire to follow the Spirit's leading, I want you to ask him to give you the desire. If you're afraid, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to enable you to do it anyway. After you've had time to pray, we're going to sing this song together, and then we're going to take communion together as the Spirit helps us remember Jesus. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.